0: We've been saying this whole time, like, when's the shoe going to drop for somebody? Like, when are we going to get our next (laughs) wiener? And we got it. (laughs) We got it. We got it. (laughs) I'm Lillian Ruiz. And I'm Charlie O'Donnell. Welcome to the Schlepp to
1: City Hall. The number one New York City election podcast hosted by two undecided builders from Brooklyn. Hi there. You are muted.
0: Hi. <laughs>
1: Come on, how long have we been using Zoom?
0: Oh my God, I don't want to talk about it all the time.
1: So wow, does this count as an emergency pod?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's
1: certainly emergency pod worthy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm it's emergency pod ready worthy. I'm like getting spiritually prepared to handle it.
1: (laughs) So news broke yesterday that Scott Stringer has been accused of inappropriate sexual behavior by a former volunteer slash colleague of his during his public advocate campaign, and and somebody he has known for 20 years or or so. And the allegations were denied by Scott and the campaign. And there have been a whole slew of retractions of campaign endorsements and... Yeah, it was a huge, it's obviously a really huge story, especially coming on the heels of what was a little bit of momentum for his campaign over the last week, given the last set of polls.
0: Yeah, we've been saying this whole time, like, when's the shoe gonna drop for somebody? Like, when are we gonna get our next (laughs) wiener? And- We got it. (laughs) We got it. We got
1: it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah obviously, a really an emotional and uh, difficult situation for the the woman involved. But yeah, it does it it did seem you put enough people in a race and enough scrutiny. yeah, and inevitably something like this happens.
0: yeah, for sure. And it not only is it inevitable that something like this happens, but I think that given like where things have evolved even in the la- even between the last race and this one you would hope that someone wouldn't put themselves out there without really deeply scrutinizing their past behavior you know what i mean
1: this is my biggest issue with scott's comments because so one of one of the responses that, that came out was that this person, according to Stringer was a peer and not somebody who worked for him directly, which, and it's a little bit unclear to me. I, I think the official comment was that there was some kind of relationship at the time Scott was single. There was a very vague reference to a consensual relationship, but didn't it did not, discuss what kind of relationship that was and he said it was a consensual relationship and and she was not a peer and and this to me is at the heart of what bothers me most about this because he was the candidate yeah in the campaign no one else is his peer
0: yeah yeah this is like the most i think unspoken part of these sorts of situations is like, oh, this person's not my peer, or they continue to have interactions with me afterwards, or they still emailed me for whatever. And somehow those are seen as like tacit approvals of like bad behavior, as opposed to just there to your point, like you are the candidate, you're not going to be anybody's peer, you're leading the ship. And in other things, like think about especially this is why you don't frankly shit where you eat, like you don't harass people anywhere, but like this like workplace dynamic or like we're in the same field dynamic that can happen. I think it causes people to like forget, oh, this is someone I have to work with professionally. This is someone who just by nature of us being in the same field has to be in contact with me. Not like this person is so enamored with what I've done to them that that's why they're still calling me professionally. Like people don't recognize that the corners that people get backed into. Yeah. And
1: so to your point, the like, why would you continue running for office and doing all this sort of stuff if you knew that this was out there? But the problematic part is that he doesn't seem to fundamentally understand what was at issue. Yeah. Which actually in my mind, makes it more likely that there was something problematic. Because I, I, I think that, look, the thing about industry stuff, and and this perspective has, I think, changed over time and what has become acceptable. If you talk about just relationships, right? Consensual relationships and and, and all of that sort of stuff, particularly in politics, right? You spend the majority of your time, especially during campaign time, with nothing but other people in politics. And it is highly likely that you might meet someone or or date or what have you who is also in your field. And And it requires a very careful navigation of that landscape. But, and none of us, I think, can say that they have never been in a situation whereby any of their actions potentially have made anybody feel uncomfortable, because the nature of interpersonal interactions is that sometimes it's comfortable, sometimes it's, there are missed expectations, or all of that sort of stuff. Nobody, to me, is ever 100% without fault or, or, or blameless. It's what you do after that, to me, it is a big, it would be one thing if somebody said, and I was actually having a conversation with somebody about this yesterday, actually about this issue where they would say, Hey, listen, I have been in some regrettable situations where in hindsight, I didn't act my best with someone. We were out and about, we were drinking, we have you not an excuse, but that, that wasn't appropriate, but you have to recognize it, right? You have, you, you should recognize it at the time, but given everything that we have experienced in the public domain since th- 2016, 17, uh, all of that sort of stuff. If you don't then go back and do that work mm-hmm. and to say, shoot, now that I now that I sort of think about all this and then hear all these stories and hear what it means to deal with somebody in a position of power and all that sort of stuff. If you haven't done that work now, you are being willfully ignorant.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's so interesting is what you bring up is almost like a practice of asking for feedback and forgiveness from the people you've had interpersonal relationships with. And it's, it's really a practice. And I think like, how do you normalize that? Because that's really the key is normalizing that practice of asking for forgiveness and not being ashamed about it or being ashamed, but not letting that fester into some sort of poisonous alternative response, or what's the word for not like resistance, not letting it turn into a poisonous response or resistance. And I would hope that especially progressive candidates would be already practicing that. So it's, it is disappointing to see someone who has really in the last few years decided to take that particular mantle and the the hot potato that comes with being like the progressive candidate and not already have this practice in hand.
1: I'd be willing to bet that if at some point in the last few years, he had reached out to this person and said, listen, I've been doing this sort of inventory and I do feel like some of our interactions were not as they should have been and I apologize for that and I, I really feel maybe I took advantage of my position and all of this sort of stuff and I, I don't really think she may still think he's a jerk but I don't think she would have come forward with in in this or it certainly would be less likely
0: especially if it was like genuine if it was an actual yeah yeah, for sure for
1: sure right and because that's to me it isn't that we are expecting people to be perfect although this interaction from what it sounds like is far less than perfect but just being willing to acknowledge that you're not and, and willing to acknowledge that all of the stuff that comes with sort of personal responsibility. And yeah, and every everything you said. And look, it's it's still super early. They are just processing all of the, the fallout. We're still in the middle of it. But they immediately ran. And look, with the money and structure of his campaign, it's all consultant and crisis communication doubt and all of this sort of stuff. And they went straight to the vigorous denial playbook. I mean, I was reading Scott's wife wrote a whole thing and shared her own personal experience with this sort of stuff. And she wrote, if I thought that he was capable of this, I I wouldn't have married him. I didn't want to, and like anyone is capable. I like... The idea that somehow you are incapable mm-hmm. of not treating other people with respect. There's no one who is incapable of it. <laughs> yeah. We all strive to do better than that, but I would, I, yeah. It's just the, the post announcement reaction from all of that. There's not even a campaign pause.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's like the part that is, it is, it feels like a, where do we go from here situation? Because it's what happens when a candidate, a person in power or whatever is just like, nope, not going to take a pause, not going to take a beat. We're just going to keep moving. And I feel like from a societal perspective, people are craving more nuanced act of contrition <laughs> then and instead what we're seeing is people using the language even in a speech as i understand the value of women's stories and whatever but then there's this big glaring but at the end of it and i'm just like there should be no but do what you need to do to eliminate. But i'm not
1: going to step aside for the two female candidates who are yeah. also or three female look there are two female candidates he's more directly competing against. I suppose he's competing against everybody. But for the progressive vote, for the working families vote, he's directly competing with Maya Wiley and, and Diane Morales. The, I understand and I support women, except that I still want you to vote for me over these two other women.
0: It's it's this, this is my place as much, if not more so than anyone else. And that's the, that's the thing, the fact that he can't envision a world in which he's not the leader of this pack or something is in, is wild and it's so entitled and it's, it's not even, yeah, it's lack of remorse, but it's like something else that feels like way more unintentionally insidious in some way. Well,
1: well, and, it, and it's interesting because that thing that you are trying to grasp on how to describe is the very thing that sort of causes this stuff. Yeah. That is the thing that you'd be most concerned about him being at worst blissfully ignorant of and at best blissfully ignorant of and, and at worst will, willfully. And it's interesting when you think back to 2013 and the Anthony Weiner episode, and it is really amazingly unfortunate given his nomenclature and mm-hmm. I don't, <laughs> but one big difference not that this should change how people act, is that at the time, Anthony Weiner was winning.
0: Yeah, I remember.
1: So, you know, you have this possibly internal conversation within the campaign saying we could step aside, but if everybody keeps wanting to vote for us, mm-hmm. we could play the let the voters decide.
0: Yeah. That to me, it's like contagious egomania. (laughs) It's like everybody around the candidate becomes so addicted to the same, to that same like stuff that we were struggling to name a few minutes ago. And that's also what makes this horrifying or yeah, horrifying in some ways is that it's when you divorce the act of winning from like the act of just like being a good human, it we end up in the world we've always ended up. There's a campaign manager and a staff
1: who, this wasn't their fault, who have worked very hard over the last year plus, who, who, by the way, this is now a, a black mark on their resume, just the, the name association and all of that sort of stuff, who, yeah, are sitting there going, do I... Am I better off resigning? Do I, there's no other campaign to jump up to, to every, everybody's got a person. Everybody's got a campaign manager. Do I jump ship? And that's an understandably difficult decision, but the difference in this campaign is that he's not winning, <laughs> right? It's like, there was no margin for error to begin with. Yeah. He's depending on the poll, eight to 10 points down.
0: Yeah. um, Andrew Yang. Where do you think stringer votes go from here?
1: I Honestly, if all three female candidates don't see a significant step up, if I'm gonna say, if this is if he continues, because by the way, normally with this sort of stuff, like it's very rarely one accusation, and but should he continue, if 80% of his votes don't go to a combination of the other three female candidates, I would be disappointed in the
0: electorate. Yeah, there's plenty to already be disappointed in the electorate.
1: But I, I think the... One of the biggest issues is if you look at the lane that Scott was trying to carve out for himself, the I'm progressive, but I'm also experienced. You, you would say that there's a split there, right? Is that I think objectively speaking, Catherine Garcia is the most experienced public servant among the three female candidates but she is not as progressive in certain areas as Diana Maya and so you may be picking up a split of those number 1 votes yeah which don't which don't acc- actually to be honest if you if you said that a good chunk of those votes go over to Maya given where she polled last, because she was in double digits in the last poll, that actually does put her within striking distance of Andrew Yang. It's not quite there, but if she picks up a lot of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's still crazy to me that as far as the last polling there, like the top three, there wasn't a single female candidate in the top three. Like, I was just like, ugh. Yeah, and I,
1: and I wonder if this has a negative effect across all of the male candidates overall of some people just saying, you know what, I liked this person, but I'm a little tired of men in power.
0: Yeah, I think it can go both ways. There's going to be a contingent of people who are like, I'm sick of dudes in power. There's going to be a contingent of people that are like, Who cares if some random woman is charging harassment to Scott Stringer? Who cares that Andrew Yang called a woman a bitch or laughed at a woman being called a bitch? I think there's going to be people on both sides who are just like, you know what? Let men be men. I'm going to cast my vote for a man. And there's going to be people who are like, I'm sick of it. But
1: don't don't you think that those people had probably already found their, were they really undecided on the fence people?
0: I don't know if they would be undecided on the fence people, but they may have. I could see like a contingent of people who like were not paying attention one bit and they weren't undecided. They just weren't in the game. And now they're like, oh, I'm going to get in the game with my toxic masculinity voting power. But contrarians.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a possibility. I don't know what percentage of those people are Democratic primary voters, but
0: perhaps. Adams voters. Am I allowed to say that? (laughs) It's end of day Thursday and the filter is just gone.
1: It is actually, and and look, I don't necessarily, we're an interesting point in evaluations where people's personal lives are not always under scrutiny, but in some ways they are. It, It made me realize the other day that I don't know anything about Eric Adams' life.
0: Interesting. I think my closest insight beyond like the backstory that you can suss out is the like bizarre video he made of like how to search your kid's room for drugs. And I think, and he shot it in his own house.
1: (laughs) I did not see that video, but that is fascinating. Is he like married with kids? Like, I don't know. Or
0: he might be like divorced with kids. There are, there is a, there is at least a child somewhere okay yeah it doesn't uh... but don't fact check this because i can
1: (laughs) yeah it's not i don't know yeah there's nothing in his it there's nothing in his wikipedia i looked at this the other day this is a very rare public figure with nothing about in his wikipedia about married or kids or whatever it's just all about him being a vegan he has like a mystery life that you know who knows
0: Yeah. Isn't it funny there how like some candidates are like allowed a mystery life and some candidates aren't?
1: Yeah. I I do think we have progressed past the, you need a family for somebody. Catherine Garcia is divorced and I think people are like, oh, I guess she's divorced because she like used to be married and then he's not around and nobody cares. The kids are older and it just, it is what it is. And I think it's more of a reflection of the voting population that is, yeah, stuff happens. Sometimes you marry early and it doesn't last and who cares? But they do care when stuff happens a- along these lines. It will be interesting to see, I would have to imagine, that all of his major endorsements disappear.
0: Yeah, I think Diane already was like, "No thanks, like not dealing with him anymore." And then oh, just
1: Ramos- yeah, not that he would endorse anybody, but
0: yeah, yeah, no, no. But I think she she's like not interested in doing the split ticket situation with him anymore. Oh, right, 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 right. And, and Jessica Ramos also rescinded her endorsement but I haven't kept up since like yesterday with who's- So the official
1: UFT, the teachers union statement is basically playing both sides. The UFT has a long history of working with Scott Stringer and has always found him to be both supportive of educators and an advocate of women. At the same time, any accusations of this nature need to be listened to and carefully weighed. They, unlike the Working Families Party, went all in on him, did not suggest a number two. So- they have to decide whether they're going to stick with it or pull it.
0: Oh, so that was the whole statement. There was no outcome at the end of that statement. No. That's uh, crazy.
1: As of right now, there is no, there's no there's no statement that they are going to go either way. But I, I just I can't imagine how they could continue.
0: Yeah. To me, it's not even just about signaling, it's also just like common decency. It's just, we have to, as a society, stop picking naughty boys up and dusting off their coat sleeves and saying, it's okay, go back and play. Like we have to, at some point say, listen, you fell over because you were like knocking all the kids over on the playground and you can't play on the playground anymore. Um, Sorry, that was an extended metaphor, but that's just, it's like, we all need to be holding our allies accountable when they're not being good allies to other people.
1: Yeah. One of the things, so I wrote a blog post today about this. And and one of the things that I think is the issue that doesn't get focused on enough, because there's this sort of did he or didn't he, or is it true or is it not true or what have you, as if that is like the sole Determinant of whether we can move forward, and and the thing yeah. that I I think when I look at the situation, is straight white guys live in a on a different playing field, and I have recognized this about myself is that it is largely unconsequential. We are allowed by society to make big asks. There's no negative to making those big asks. We don't deal with as many consequences. And that wake, the wake of that behavior, right? What it does to other people, like knowing that if I'm in this situation and even where it is like otherwise consensual and allowed and, and all of this sort of stuff is that the nature of the question is imbalanced, right? You can meet someone and say, hey, why don't we go out or do whatever or move to whatever next social step mm-hmm. the kids are doing these days. And as the guy, as the straight white dude, there's no downside to that ask. There's no, it is a very simple, complicated, and I have to think, well, the worst that can happen is that I get rejected. It's not like that for the person on the other side. You, I don't have to tell you, but I think that too many guys don't recognize that it's not like that. That in a world where most violence against women is committed by men, in a world where there's all this sort of scrutiny about behavior that is unevenly distributed between, you know, sort of men and women, all these expectations. Now, all of a sudden you have to think about, am I going to have this? Am I going to get a bad reputation? Am I going to have this used against me for career purposes? Is he going to get angry? Is he going to get annoyed? Do I have to play along with this? All, all of this other stuff. And so to me, guys should have a higher bar right? If you, and the analogy I made is that guys are like running with scissors, basically. And if you have this sharp object, you're not supposed to run with it. You are supposed to handle it carefully. Like I I will remember my first grade teacher showing us where the pointy end of the scissors goes when you go and hand it to somebody. And guys have to have that responsibility. And if they show that they can't handle that responsibility, then they need to bow out of positions of responsibility and so for me i'm like looking at this situation does it seem like scott knows how to handle the responsibility i'm, I'm less con- like whether he did or didn't do it clearly there's a whole important conversation there but i don't know if i'll ever get that answer right there were two people in that situation i wasn't there nobody else was there like who i who knows of the exact but what it seems clear to me is that he seems unable to handle the responsibility
0: yeah. And to, and I think that's a great analogy. And I think to your point about like handling the responsibility is also the thing that it's not is like Mike Pence, not letting himself be alone in a room with a woman sort of thing, like responsible. You can't
1: handle the responsibility either.
0: Exactly. That's another way, like going the extreme is another way of saying I can't handle the responsibility. So hand, like handling the responsibility means that you are like conscientious that you are thinking about, What's the impact of this ask? Why am I making, or more importantly, like, why am I making this ask? Like, why do I feel like this is something that I should open up into the interaction in a way that forces someone to decide, do I need to make a concession or not? And it's until you basically had to have an interpersonal dynamic that's not transactional, then like, you probably don't have the maturity to handle like a serious leadership position.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and look, as somebody who is in venture capital, and I know that that was something that no one ever evaluated of me as I, you know, mm-hmm. mo- mo- moved up. is not a, no, nobody asked these types of questions. And it it's amazing to think that, like, you can get a pool of capital and... Nobody asks you about the personal responsibility that the influence of capital and access to it imparts on you. They just want to know if you can make money back. Not surprisingly, if you don't ask that question and then you hire an industry where you know 80% plus, 90% plus guys you you know of people who want to be kingmakers or whatever you get a little adverse selection in that group and, and politics yeah. the same way I, yeah. I, I, you, you look at this field and it's not surprising to me that the three women in the field are all running for something for the first time they're all, I think they're all, let's just say of a certain age. They have experience, they have experience behi- behind them and doing this for the first time after they feel like they have gone out and proven themselves in their respective fields and, and all of that sort of stuff. And it, it's, it's a process that definitely, and I think a lot of people feel this way. It's a process when you look across the board, there are a lot of people who are generally unsatisfied. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And that the hands you need to shake, the money that you need to raise, all of this sort of stuff, there's, we wound up with a process where a lot of people are looking around saying, I'm not totally happy with the quality of candidates that we, that we have. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So do you think that Scott Stringer will drop out before the program? No,
0: I think it's. My guess is that the calculus is like, it's too close. We just need to weather this one news cycle and then it's done. And like the only thing that might kick him out is if he loses like major endorsements or if, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. You get a couple more of these starting to bubble up and more people starting to speak out. But I feel like just based off of this one- First 24 hours, yeah. First 24, 48 hours. I don't think he's gonna, I don't think he's gonna budge.
1: I'll I'll take the opposite of that. And it's not because I think of there's smoke, there's fire, although that is usually the case, but I just think the lack of endorsement, I I, I think this is going to snowball. I I think it's going to become very obvious that he's not winning. And Mm -hmm. then, like, how do you go on the debates and just sit there across from Maya and Catherine and Diane and I I think it's just going to become cringeworthy yeah and, and distracting and yeah. and that that like his presence in the debates is going to harm him because he's also look he's not an independently wealthy guy he is 61. He's term limited, so he's going to need a job somewhere. I sort of think like he has a personal choice to say, do I say the proper conti- contrition and do what is right in this race and save something of my career? Because if he just runs this thing into the ground, he's. I think he's just going to become a cringe-worthy, toxic embarrassment.
0: Yeah. It's sad. It is sad to see, I think, as an empathetic human being. Yeah, it's sad to think of like a 61-year-old dude like, like burning out his last candle in the worst possible way, but... I'm not saddened by it. Oh, no, no, not like spiritually sad, but it's just like see how that could be like a stressful thing for a person. But on the other hand, it's, yeah, to your point, stepping back and trying to do the right thing and make the right assessments and figure yourself out is, I think probably more valuable than anything else than trying to save face at this point. Yeah,
1: for sure. For sure. And I wonder then if it does also open up the conversation, like the race is going to be shaken up from here. It could create some momentum among other candidates. It shrinks the major candidate field. I, I, cannot imagine the next poll is still in double digits. I think that that's gone and that you have a situation whereby, you know, Maya is going to pick up a non-zero amount of votes. She last polled at, what, 10 or 11. If that number goes to 13, 14, 15, all, all of a sudden that creates a bunch of momentum. Same thing for if it means that Catherine and Diane can get close to double digits. Now you've got a, a, a more compelling and interesting race that sort of gets shaken up. I wonder if it creates additional scrutiny on behalf of other candidates. Yeah. So that's always a, a possibility. I wonder if there's something to be said for what other candidates have called for him to end his campaign.
0: I think all, I think definitely the strongest is Diane Morales and I think she was definitely the first. And I think that everyone else has followed since then.
1: Interesting. So let's see Ray McGuire's statement. I did not see that Ray McGuire called for Stringer to end his
0: campaign. I'm trying to remember where I read a list this morning of folks who have stated.
1: Yeah, we'll see. We're less than 24, we're 24 hours away from it. And that is a meaningful. You know, I. Before we were gonna jump into this, I'm sure I had something to talk about, but this is, to me, dwarfing what will happen going forward. Yeah, this is, I think, pretty major. And I I think the other effect that it might have, at least in terms of any remaining commentary that I have, is I actually think that you may see a little more blurring of the progressive and moderate lines. I've heard from some folks in the Catherine Garcia campaign, that there are some progressive voters who are now deciding that they should only rank women across the board. Less ideologically based and more just, hey, yeah, I'm going to give all of the women in the campaign support in order of my preference, and I'm gonna be less hard and fast about defunding or any particular you know, one category. So it may mm-hmm. create some solidarity it's funny actually when we first recorded the pod, we talked about the idea of whether or not there is a female vote
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and not that it is a monolithic base in any stretch of the imagination. but I there is one more reason for some solidarity of that particular voting block now that we've had this come out yeah perhaps (laughs) the uh first debate is i believe may 13th
0: may 13th
1: yeah and i
0: i I think we should have a a live stream watch some kind of a watch party or here's the fun fact about may 13th is i might not be in the state so where does one watch it is one new york one in the state so let's do it simulcast (laughs) yeah
1: it is uh, let's see in it is may 13th at 7 p.m on new york one and i'm absolutely sure that there's probably some streaming if you want to the does fios not have are we still on the whole thing that fios doesn't get new york one or has that been solved
0: oh i don't have fios i don't think i have i have spectrum
1: i gotta imagine it's streaming in some way yeah i'd be it'd be maybe they have a Yes.
0: Like maybe they have a, a
1: Roku app, like ABC7 does. Oh, maybe, maybe. Yeah, so the first debate is uh, May 13th. Mm-hmm. The Republican debate is on May 26th, also on New York 1, which
0: I... for some reason in my head, I was like, oh, it's going to be Katsimatidis and a sandwich. I don't know, like I don't, it's like some sort of random inanimate object.
1: At the moment it's going to be Curtis Lewa, I think. I don't, we'll see, but I think that is going to be interesting to watch from an entertainment perspective i will be sure to be tuning in the debate after that is june 2nd that is on channel 7 wabc and 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 yeah we will see how things go from there yeah i'm ready (laughs) all right hey it's charlie before we go i just want to give a quick reminder to share the schlep to city hall with your friends Find us on Twitter at the Schlepp NYC. Feel free to give us a shout out, ask a question. Uh, definitely let other people know you're listening and let us know you're listening. We know we have a bunch of loyal subscribers and we'd love to hear your questions and feedback. Thanks.